Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. Here's your host from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Property Marketing Made Easy from the Get Savvy Club. Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin here. How are you doing, Anita? I am great, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you very much. We've got a, a guy on. What he's part is part of PIN, which is Property Investors Network. He's one of their coaches. He's a really interesting guy. He's kind of flies the flag for them, but then he's got his own sort of property business in, in his own right as well. And when I asked him ages ago, I was like, oh, can you, you know, sort out a date for the podcast, get it finally done? And then we were doing ours on the, a particular day, so we like to batch do them. And he was like, oh, it's my birthday. But, oh, what better way to spend my birthday than to, at lunchtime, chatting to you? Uh, loads of better ways. <laughs> <laughs> I personally could think of something better to do. But he had already <laughs> been to eat and stuff like that and whatever. And to be fair, his wife was at work. I think his kids were out and about. So he thought, yeah, why not, you know, why not do it? And obviously, because he's got quite a lot of time for Edom day to day anyway. It's not like he's took the day off of work to have his birthday off, the time out on his birthday to do it. I feel like maybe we should have sent him a card. But anyway. So he he um, says a really interesting thing in this. So see if you can spot the most, like, kind of the biggest teller of how you actually are successful running HMOs. One of the things, it's like a throwaway comment he gives, but for me, that is the key to it all. Do and you then, write it down? Um, no. Uh, I've remembered it because we only did them yesterday. <laughs> it, would have, it would have gone. That's why I texted you. Went, Should we do the top and tails before it all just flies out my yeah, head? Yeah. Like everything else. Yeah. And then well, at the end of the interview, I'll, I'll pick up and tell you what I think it was. Cool. It's a good trailer, isn't it? Yeah. Now you want to listen, mm. don't you guys? Let's get into it. If you're enjoying Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, follow and subscribe. It was really about five years ago that I was just in the day job. So I was a production manager for the Swift Group, uh, grinding the wheels, as they say, just going through the daily rat race, wanting more from life, but never really knowing how to achieve it or how to get out there. And I had an injury on my ankle. So at the time, me and my sister were looking at buying a couple of buy-to-let properties, getting into the property game. I just Googled how to make money in property and this whole sort of world opened up to me that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. So basically, uh, cut a long story short, I went to my local PIN meetings, started to see, you know, investors there, talk to people, got to network, realized I wanted to build my own property business, not just a portfolio. I wanted to build a systemized and scalable business with a brand. Uh, And that's what I uh, did. And I used the rent to rent strategy to do that. I did the PIN Mastermind program. So I wanted to learn all of the different strategies so that I had all the different sort of toolkits in my head. And that's what I did. I did Mastermind 27. I managed to create a rent-to-rent business in that time that more than, well, doubled my corporate wage. Within six months, I managed to replace my my wage. I'd taken voluntary redundancy that year as well. Which oh, cool. That felt like a good time then. Yeah. Well, well, the thing was, they called all of us managers into the office and they said, they were going to make one of us redundant. Now, I don't think it was going to be me. I was quite good at what I did. It might be. Maybe they wanted me out. But I wanted to take it because now I was really trying to build a a rent-to-rent business alongside a full-time job, a property management business is what I call it. So I rang my wife up and just said to her, they want to make a manager redundant. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, you know what? I'd like to take it. I'd like to really go for it and throw everything I can at building this property business. And she said, listen, we believe in you. We think you can do it. Uh, Go for it. And, And that sort of support was absolutely phenomenal to have that also a big weight on the shoulders i've got to keep the lights turned on i've Mm. got to make sure that i achieve this which is why you know half the thing was going out there and learning all the strategies so 
rather than buying the buy to let, we invested in knowledge, if you like, in education, it's paid off tenfold. So, you know, uh, we took voluntary redundancy. I, I say to anybody getting involved in property, that's probably not the best thing to do when you're trying to get involved in property because, you know, property is an expensive game. You do need funds. You Sometimes, do need though, it's sink or swim, isn't it? I'm the kind of person where, you know, you give me 100 hours to do something, I still won't do it. But, you know, you put my life on the line and give me half an hour and I'll, I'll be great. Exactly. I agree with you, Anita. 100%. I think it was a case for me. I was looking at it as, as, as if I jumped off the boat, let's see if I can swim to shore. If I get to shore, I've created the business and the revenue that I want to have coming in. If I don't, if I need a life raft, I'll just go and get a part-time job, but I'm not yes. going to stop doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So it, it certainly- Nothing's ever forever, is it? No, it's good. It's good. So yeah, that's basically what I've done. So I've created a rent to rent business with HMOs. We do service accommodation. Uh, I help and support and train people uh, a little bit now as well, which is something that I'm, I'm passionate about. And I do a bit of work with PIN. At the moment, I've sort of created the day to day lifestyle that I absolutely love and enjoy doing. And coming on and speaking to you fine ladies as well is is all part yeah. and parcel of that how many properties do you rent and then so we have 16 hmos and we have eight sa oh, wow. uh, units and so how much time does that take you to run it well initially a lot of time so i was running around trying to do everything myself until mm. i really then just thought mark the whole reason you got into this was to set up a systemized business so then I started working with people. I started employing people. So now it doesn't take me very long at all. Most of the, I, I can't remember. I can't remember the last time I did a viewing. We have people that do viewings. I have virtual assistants now that uh, deal with the tenants and things. I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm just saying that, that you know, that, that people are now paid to do it. So initially I got nine rent to rent deals, which gave me the income that I was looking for from that business. And then the other properties I've got pay for the business to be able to run. I'd say without me, it's not 100% without me. There's always work to be done. It doesn't take too much time. I'd say probably about one day a week uh, I have to spend on the HMOs, unless there's a major problem, in which case it might be a couple of days. Property itself isn't a nine to five job. A lot of things I was always finding were either happening in the evening when people were back home or around the weekends, to be quite honest with you. But it's not like you're stuck in the daily grind of, of staying somewhere for, you know, seven, eight hours uh, a day. So it, it's it's nice to have that flexibility. But don't get me wrong. It's also as you know yourself, being business owners, it's not all sunshine and, and twinkly stars. Things happen. There There's are always problems. something to do, isn't there? There's always something. So you've got to make sure that you're a move. I've, I've found that I've had to remove my emotion from my own business because mm. you don't see clearly. You don't do things clearly, do you? You function on emotion. It's impulse. It's not, you're not going to make the best decisions, are you? So, you know, if you've got a tenant that's late on their rent and you think, well, I, I supply a really good living for you. We look after everything. We do that. Why are they treating me like, and that's not the way to be they're not even thinking about you like yeah, exactly. <laughs> the head's yeah. not full of you yeah it's at all no, that's yeah. it. exactly they're just whatever situation they're in they're in and they're not thinking right i'm gonna get mark this month by not paying him <laughs> and he's well, just that's it. yeah that's it. so yeah you just remove that emotion out of it and it's, it is just business let's find out what the problem is we're very proactive in talking to our tenants and things. We love doing it. And, uh, and now it's it's nice that uh, I now get to work on developments as well. So I work with developers. I'm not particularly the guy that's, um, I'm not, really not that great with tools or anything like that or building uh, or tradespeople or anything. But I work with people who are. And I also work with investors who want a safe you know, place to rest some money and get great returns. So I also do enjoy being sort of the middleman for that as well. So that's, that's something that... 
I was looking at whilst trying to grow a rent to rent business and I was trying to do everything, you know, shiny mm. penny syndrome, looking here, looking there. And it was really my wife that just said to me, Mark, focus on one thing, nail it. And then you can go off and do the other things that you're really a passionate. wise lady. Yeah. What is it that appealed to you about HMOs, rent to rent as a property strategy? Because there's so many out there and you obviously did education learning all of them. What appealed to you about that? And, you know, do you think that was the right decision? Would you do the same thing again? I'll be quite honest with you. I have no passion for a lot of people say I'm so passionate about property. I'm not so passionate about property, but I can use property as a platform to build a business. Uh, and that's one thing that I've done in my corporate background, which has helped grow and build businesses. So for me, it was I need cash flow. So I looked at, you know, there's lots of strategies out there that you can do. Deal sourcing is another one. But I didn't like the fact that, you know, deals fall through and you don't get paid for it and things. So I just thought to myself, well, if I can build a property and I look at it, we say rent to rent, but we don't actually say rent to rent in my business. We are a property management company that basically looks after your properties if it's our own, which is mm-hmm. rent to rent end of the day we offer a guaranteed rent so for me it was about how can i put that into fruition and then be able to systemize it in such that i don't have to do the things that maybe i don't like doing i used to enjoy viewings i do enjoy going out and meeting people as you can probably tell i like to have a chat and looking around people's homes houses yeah 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 yeah. so yeah it, it was it wasn't a massive massive appeal to me it was like a means to an end i needed to get cash flow coming through i wanted to build a, a, a business that cash flowed well that could replace my wage and give me more time freedom to potentially look at other business opportunities and things like that so that was really why why i did it initially and as with anything it didn't always go to plan you know there were good deals there were bad deals i have had i always have break clauses in my contracts you know when, when nobody's bound to anything i don't pay deposits i've never paid for a refurbs on them uh, we do good deals on good properties working with good investors and if it doesn't work out we issue break clauses we always aim to give the properties back in the same standard if not a better standard than we've had them and that's how we do business so i think a lot of people can do it wrong can get themselves tied into agreements can get the numbers wrong things happen utilities go up all of a sudden your profits mm. gone out the window yeah. because utilities have doubled so it was going back to the drawing board some landlords were on board with it and worked with them some didn't and we gave properties back over that as well so it is a business and that's why i say i've had to learn to remove the emotion treat it as a business and by doing so i think that's why we've been as successful as we have been yeah what is that would you say that's one of the biggest hurdles then when when the energy prices went up what what's kind of been your biggest learning curve throughout the the time that you've been doing this never sit still never sit still so but as soon as utilities were going up uh, i just spent a lot of time networking talking to people particularly developers and people that were doing sort of high high-end co-living accommodations and just saying you know i know you're taking things back to brick what systems now because you're obviously starting from scratch or, or what are you putting in place to help you with utilities because obviously I'm I'm already controlling people's property, so I don't want to be spending thousands and thousands of pounds yeah. on systems that no. eventually I'll make some money on. It's all about cash flow. So for me, it was just listening to people, was finding out what the technology was out there as well. So we use a wiser system, it's called at the moment, and that is uh, Bluetooth valves on all of the radiators. So we can actually control in all of our properties now, and it only costs 650 quid for the full kit, and that was on a six-bed HMO. Uh, it, we can now control all the individual valves on all our properties. 
facilities so we can make sure the temperature is regulated right for the tenants. So they basically tell us whether they're feeling a bit hot, a bit cold. They can do it themselves as well, but we can do it remotely. So obviously, if, if somebody's not in the property, we can lower it right down so it maintains a steady, uh, happy medium rather than blaring out. And it just stops people opening windows left, right and center. So that was something that we were doing on the gas. And of course, on the electric side of things, it's, it's it was really just making sure that we're all everything was LED, everything was censored apart from in their rooms. We have a handbook anyway, but we also sent out and we went and spoke to the tenants and just said, I'm sure you appreciate the fact that utilities are going up. And we were one of the, well, I, we were one of the first sort of companies in my area to put the rents up. So as rents were coming in, we said utilities, we're not going to hit you with a massive rent increase, but we are going to have to put the rents up as we do this. And I'm sure you'll appreciate, you know, that if you go out there now, the rents are going up. So, mm. and we were just working, I was a bit nervous. I have to say, I was a bit nervous when mm. we started doing that. I was thought, oh, if I get a mass exit, uh, I'm in trouble there. But actually yeah. a lot of the tenants liked it. And the new tenants we got in, they said, we don't mind paying a bit more as long as we're looked after and uh, yeah. we get a nicer sort of class of people to live with. So utilities were massive. On the smaller properties, I struggled a bit more. And that's where I actually went back with one landlord, had a good negotiation. I had two of his properties. We couldn't really renegotiate. Well, the thing was, he didn't want to renegotiate. And I said to him, I'm not going to take all of like the, the extra hike. Let's meet in the middle and continue to work together. Uh, he didn't want to. Surprise, surprise. We issued then the break clause and just said, OK, fair enough. It's just not worth doing the deal anymore. And in the end, then we gave the properties back. But three months into the break clause, he then got on the phone and said, no, 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 let's do it. Let's do the deal. Let's do <laughs> I don't want the properties back and all of that. But by then, we just thought, well, I'd already Too taken Playing hardball. So what, um, when you're looking for a new property to take on board, what do you look for? What are the things that make you think, ah, this is going to be a, a winner for me? I'm a massive believer that you get what you focus on. So if you're, you know, if you think you're only going to find rundown properties or old landlords, then that's pretty much what you're going to find because that's what your subconscious is looking for. Whereas for me, I always went out there to say I want to work with investor types, you know, savvy investors that appreciate the fact that what we offer them is a great service, okay? It's something that can really, really help them. So I've always looked for properties that are ready to go, that I don't have to put any money into. The most I've ever spent on a deal is 900 pounds. And that was wow. just for a couple of carpets and a, a bit of a paint job. Now we normally do, there's no, no money down here, but we normally do spend a few hundred pounds on dressing and, and just you know making sure that the, the properties look a bit swankier and a bit nicer and things. But fundamentally, that's what we look to, to work with. So, so you I, look for furni already furnished properties that are already yes. being run as an HMO then, yeah? Existing HMOs that are in decent uh, condition. So yeah. we also do look and keep our eye open for any properties that are getting an uplift and then try and get hold of the landlords and just say, do you want your properties looked after at the best standard? And I, I think there's a lot of people that go out there now and obviously they, they think they've got to get a rundown property. They've got to spend you know a good few grand on it. Now, yeah. service accommodation is a bit of a different game when it comes to that. But I always look for existing HMOs already set up, already licensed, already in a decent manner. And we can go in there. And rather than and the amount of properties that we've looked at that maybe have been done up and then six, seven, eight months, you walk around with a landlord and he's like, my God, this it looks like a dust house. Do you know what I mean? It looks terrible. And yeah. you can see it in their eyes, actually. You can see it really disappointed in their face. And we just say, you know, if we look after this, we've got people in there. Every couple of weeks, we, we, we're proactive on everything. And I really, I'm, I'm not having a go at letting agents, but realistically, HMOs are a lot of work and they yeah. don't charge enough. When they're charging mm. like 10% plus or oh, maybe 12% to manage HMO, they're not charging enough. So they've got all of these rooms and they haven't got enough staff. They haven't got, you know, we, 
I've always said I'm not looking at being the biggest. In fact, I didn't I didn't want 16. Uh, we were happy at 14, but we got a little deal that landed on our lap and the team are happy to take them on a bit more money for them. So that's why we did it. But we, we, we just wanted to keep it at a nice, nice level so we can do a good job for the landlords. Yeah. I get cash flow coming through from that and it frees me up to go and do the things that I really am passionate about. So best decision you ever made then, taking that redundancy and going for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It took me, so put it into context, it took me four months to get my first deals, which some people will say, well, that was quite quick. Some people will say, what were you messing about at, Mark? With hindsight, it feels quick, but at the time, I bet it didn't. Oh, that's that, yeah. So at the time, it was, I was, there was a lot. I sat at the kitchen table thinking, have I made the right decision? I've never regretted taking voluntary redundancy, never, and it is the best decision I've ever made. But there have been times where I have, where, where in those four months where you get close to doing a deal, you'd negotiate everything, you'd just be ready to sign on a dotted line and then they change their mind or they do something mm. else or they move somewhere. And it's just like, how does this work? How do, you know, I need, I need, um, I had, I didn't have massive amounts of money either behind me. So we, we I had about six months worth of money uh, from a redundancy if we stayed living the same way that we were living. And I didn't really want the family to be hit too hard on, on those levels. So we did cut costs on a few things. And I did say to him, give me 12 months and, and hopefully then we'll be in a lockdown, eh? Because that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who could have predicted that? <laughs> well, exactly. But that's not, I tell you what, that's not a great thing when you're offering guaranteed rents and the government come out to all the renters and say, you don't have to pay your rent because all the landlords yeah. are going to have mortgage holidays. It was like, yeah. oh my God, my business yeah. is going to go out the window here. It felt like an eternity. But oh if you my. got through that, you could get through, if you're like, there's True. not much more that could throw at you that you can't sort of handle. You know you can handle tricky situations, which, which is which is good. Well, I, th- I think you'll agree yourself. As I say, being savvy business owners that we are, it's, see, I, see what I did there? See what I did yeah, there? Yeah, I love um, it. <laughs> it's, it really is. I, I think since two, 2019 was where I really started doing this properly. And I don't think we've had a decent, just steady away year <laughs> since then. And it's yeah. like people say to me, you know, what's it going to be like, you know, through tough times? I said, have you looked at the press? Have you looked at the world at the moment? I said, I don't actually know how to run a business in easy times yet. It's been tough. Yeah. To, but I enjoy it. It's a challenge. And I, I keep saying to people, listen, when it, we're, we're going to have some good years coming. We're going to get through all of this. You know, it's not mm. as bad as everybody's making out anyway, I, I don't think. But it's also a lot of it's in your mind, isn't it? Yeah. Like yeah. We're going to have good times. We're going to be moving forward. We're going to be pushing. We're going to be getting out there. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that. And I say, if we can survive through what we're going through now, Happy, lay in, roll on the good times. How may be wrong. <laughs> no, no, I don't think you are. So you did briefly mention coaching then. So who, do you just basically coach a number of people to do what you do then? Yeah, so, well, I have um, I have a training program, which is the Rent to Rent Business Builder program. And basically I put that together because uh, I did different trainings and things and people would show you how to get deals, which is great. But it's then, what do I do with the deals when, I, when yeah. I've got them? Um, so I started initially doing a bit of like one-to-one coaching. And it, again, it was my wife listening in the background. Somebody said to me, uh, I don't know how to do something. And I, I just thought it was so basic that you, you, even if you read a book on, you know, the rent-to-rent strategy or listen to a, a podcast or something, you, you should know the answer. And they didn't know the answer. So I was like sending them off to other people to say, go and get some training and then I can coach you. Because otherwise you're just trying to mentor people, but you're wasting time, aren't you? They need the fundamentals. And yeah. it was my wife, again, said to me, Mark, what are you doing? They want to work with you. Why don't you put like a roadmap together for them to be able to go through and then you can work with them to help them. And I was just like, genius. 
sometimes it's sat on your lap, isn't it? Just needs somebody else to point it out for you. Yeah, she, yeah. she steers the ship. She's great. So, yeah. So we put that together. Uh, I love that because I do a lot of group coaching on that and really, really enjoy it. And I work with a handful of people each year uh, as well on a one-to-one level, but they have to have done the training, so to speak, or they get access to the training because they have to know what they're doing. But it's really for people that want to sort of, for want of a better word, supercharge their results. So maybe they've got a property or they're on the brink of getting a property. They really want to build the systems in because that was the one thing for me. I got five HMOs. I'm running around spinning my wheels like a headless chicken, trying to do everything. Why? Because I wanted all the money to myself. And it was then when I actually sat down and thought, I've done this in the corporate world. I put people into places. I mean, I took I took a production line that was producing two motorhomes uh, a day to seven motorhomes a day with three extra oh, wow. people. That was a production wow. line of about 60 people. So I was thinking to myself, well, if I can do that and, you know, I can treble basically turnover. Why can't I do that in my own business? And I thought because... Mm. I've got a scarcity mindset when it came to money because I didn't have any other revenue coming through. And of course, yeah. you can have a deal that's making you five, six hundred pounds, but then you get a void and all of a sudden you're not making any money on it. You might be breaking even. So it's it's that was when I thought to myself, right, what do I want? Nine properties gives me the income that I want. I'll get some more properties on that and I'll start investing in the systems, but I'll invest in the systems now. So for me, the business builder that I put together shows you as you progress exactly what you need at each stage so that people can then start to implement those things and and don't have to go through the blood, sweat and tears. And I always say plenty of tears that I have to go through. And then coaching there is just to really help hold. Some people need it. You know yourselves. Some people need that accountability. They just want that support. Yeah. They just want somebody to bounce ideas off of and things. So, yeah. I think I, I most like people it. do. It can be lonely being in your own business and being in, yeah. in property, even if you're doing it on the side, because often your like, immediate circle don't understand it and think that you're just, you know, I don't know, pie in the sky or, or what have you. So it can be lonely. So having someone who's been there and is just, you know, a bit further, is just where you want to be at for the next step is so useful. And I think sometimes actually going out and committing that money on some kind of additional support focuses you on right now, I've got to make this money back rather than trying to do it all yourself. Then you don't have the time, then you're not focused on, you know, the money so much. Yeah. yeah. Just having somebody as well, like if you don't know terminology or sometimes you can mm. think things are far, far harder in your head than they actually are and if somebody's done it not that long ago or is regularly doing it can be like yeah actually it's so simple all you need to do is go to this place and email this person and it's or use my contact it, often that that's what it's about isn't it contacts that you've made over the years and things that you can just send them to you straight away and they, they can find the answers or get to that next step instead of it whirling around at their head and then thinking oh no what what how, how do I do that thing? It's too confusing and spending a ton of time trying to read random books or YouTube channels or there's almost like too much information about property out there to have somebody that can just pinpoint that thing for you and tell you, right, just go and do that is invaluable. So you met, you touched on actually people listening to podcasts. You have a podcast as well, don't you? Yes. So I have the Property Unleashed podcast, which I always say if there was only one person that listened to it, and that's my mother, I'd still do oh. it because I enjoy <laughs> talking about what I'm learning. If that makes makes sense, I actually mm-hmm. help. Sometimes I listen back to the podcast. I have to listen to it on like two times speed. So I sound like Mickey Mouse because I talk quite fast. <laughs> um, but I listen to it back sometimes for editing reasons and stuff. And I, there are times I actually listen to my own podcast and I think, do you know what? That's a good idea. I should start doing that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because you, know you haven't implemented it, but you know it. And sometimes yeah. you know, we know what's right in front of us. And that's why a good coach or a mentor, as you were saying, 100% agree, can help you do that, can just point things out to you. And you're like, yeah. but sometimes just having that conversation and you actually come up with your own answer. 
It's like, yeah. But the fascinating thing is that your brain reacts differently to things that are spoken than your thoughts. And it doesn't know the difference between you speaking it and someone else speaking it. It just reacts better. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting point. That's it. And, and I must admit, I spent, you know, 16 years in the corporate world in my own way. I wasn't going to pay for knowledge, education. any. I wasn't going to pay for a thing. Uh, I was going to learn it all on podcast books and YouTube and things. Uh, and as the old saying goes, you don't know what you don't know. And, and that was massive. The, the minute I actually started to get a bit of education, get a bit of learning going through, it just supercharged my results. And now, even to this point now, I budget a good chunk of change, actually, in my in my businesses each year for further education, for me yeah. to continue to progress. Because I want to be, you know, the best property investor, the best business owner, the best father, the best husband I can be. And one of the greatest assets or one of the greatest things that's been said to me over the last couple of years is my wife's turned around to me and she says, you're a much better person than you were when we when we first, well, when I say we first met, we've been married nearly 20 years, but I'm a much better person. Now. And that's what you want to be, isn't it? You want to progress yeah. like that. So to hear her say that, to know, because I have worked on my own, you know, uh, mindset, so to speak, so that I, I am a clearer thinker. I am more thoughtful because it's very easy. You'll know yourselves again when you've got your business, you've got your families around you and stuff to to forget about them sometimes because you get so caught up in the in the business and in the day-to-day that you, you you forget what you're doing it for. To be able to be able to have that sort of mindfulness and, and just be able to, you know, when I'm with the family, be with the family. And obviously when, when you're working, enjoy the work and things. So it's not easy. I think a lot of times it can be shown that it's easy. But like you say, I, I always try and work with somebody who's just a bit ahead, get yourself up there and then you look for the next person. Who can I work with, move up and just p- continue to progress and you never want to be the same person each year, do you? You always want to, you always want to be, you know, hopefully an improved version of yourself. Definitely. So we always ask two questions on these podcasts. The first one being, have you got a book that you can recommend either or to do with business or personal development or like marketing, something that will help the listeners? I struggle with one because there's so yeah. many great books out there, isn't there? There's yeah. just so many great books. One of the books that I always say, if you're looking at getting out there and obviously, you know, whether it's a marketing business, whether you, whatever you're looking at trying to do is, is to look at how you can systemize it, how you can have the business run without you. And I, I did grab a book because I, I read the email and everything and made sure I was prepared. But I love this book and it's Traction by uh, Gino Winkman. And it's basically, I love the e-myth. Uh, Michael Gruber uh, book. And then uh, somebody said to me, if you love that, read Traction. And Traction yeah. really is about building a business and and the diff- different elements of how setting things up. And of course, if you're doing joint ventures, how to look at all of it. So Traction is an amazing book and one that I would recommend anybody who's looking at building a business reads. Yeah, excellent. I haven't read that one. Yeah. And the other question we always ask is, because we're the Get Savvy Club, what makes you savvy? What makes me savvy? I should have looked up what savvy meant. What does savvy mean? Well, it has different meanings, isn't it? But yeah, it's, um, you know, like, you know, streetwise, I guess, on it, that type of thing, really. What makes me savvy? I would say your learnings. Your learnings in life make you savvy. So your ups and your downs. Your downs will probably teach you more than your ups, that's for sure. Um, But I, I just love, I think, chase your passion. And I think that's what I've done. So I would say um, if I'm probably getting this all completely wrong, but I just love to meet people. I love to get out there and I love to help people and see if I can solve a problem. And if I can't, even if I can just point them in the right direction, sometimes that's good enough for me. Yeah. And things so, come back, uh, don't they? So if you're that kind of person that's like, you need to speak to that person or I don't know the answer, but I can definitely find somebody that can give you the answer, then you you, you get a lot of people reaching out to you for various different uh, things, yeah. don't you? And, you, you? and it feels good to be able to send somebody in the right direction. 
and help definitely, them along the way. Definitely. And I'm a, I'm a massive believer in what goes around, comes around in life. So yeah. if you can even just help somebody, point them in the right direction, give them a bit of support, then that help will come back to you tenfold at some point. Definitely. So how can our listeners find out a bit more about you then? Uh, so if anybody's interested, they can reach out to me on Facebook. Just look for Mark Fitzgerald and a smiley face if uh, you're seeing a video. But if you're listening to it on a podcast, uh, it's Mark Fitzgerald. You can find me on Instagram at Mark Fitzgerald Entrepreneur, all one uh, word, so to speak, with a blue tick, so that you know it's me and not somebody trying to sell you some crypto. <laughs> Or feel free to reach out to us at the hello at thepropertyunleashed.com email address or visit the website, which is thepropertyunleashed.com. And of course, yeah. check out the podcast. If you're enjoying Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, follow and subscribe. Fabulous. So yeah, another really useful episode. And I did say at the start, he says like a throwaway line, which I think is the key to success in HMOs. And the thing he says is that he's not like an investor or whatever. What he is, is a a property management company that invests in HMOs on a rent to rent basis. And that is the key. So I think people who are wanting to do HMOs need to realise that the hard work is finding the tenants, looking after them, managing it. And yes, you can systemize that. And like, um, I don't know if the Kevin Wheeler episode has been out yet, but he talks a lot about systemization, as does Mark in this. So yes, you can systemize that. Yes, you can have staff to come in and help you, but only when you get to a certain level. So when you take on your first one or two or, or probably three HMOs, you've got to build those relationships with people who you're going to place in the rooms, like to try and not have to use all the the sites like Spare Room and what have you and pay the excess on that, but to get friendly with local companies who can put their contractors in or maybe hospitals or, you know, schools, whatever, that can just rent them out for you on like a year or two year basis. And then that's how you make the money. But make no mistake, you are not just kind of taking on, putting a load of, and then it's a hands-free passive income. It, yeah, it's not, it's not it, hands-free it's at all. Particularly in the early <laughs> days. And, and Mark picked up on that really clearly, I think. Have a great day. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you later. Bye-bye. That was Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, connect with us on social media. Just search Get Savvy Club.